good morning, good afternoon, good evening, my dear friends, fans, colleagues, no matter where you are and when you're listening. Welcome back to Voices of the Sacred Feminine. And if you're listening live, you can be sure that it is probably just about 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. And I am your host. Karen Tate, and uh, I am so glad to have you here, whether you're listening live or you're catching us from the archives. And in case you didn't know, uh, you can hear us on Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Apple, iHeart, all of those platforms out there. So however, it's convenient for you. However, if you want to subscribe to the show and make it easy on yourself and uh, get a weekly email in your inbox saying uh, what the show is this week and who the guest is and a real convenient button to just click right there in your email to get to the show. You'll want to go to the show on Blog Talk, uh, blogtalk.com, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, and there's a button there for you to subscribe to the show. And if you uh, happen to be a new listener, I uh, just want to tell you that uh, you know, we talk about it all here, and it's the stuff that, um, you know, my mother always told me as a young woman, don't you dare uh, talk about in public, don't you dare even talk about at the dinner table. We talk about sex, power, religion, politics, all the stuff that uh, in some places are taboo, and today uh, is no exception topic of our show is uh, let's talk about sex and sexuality with uh, Melody Rosecrans. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about sex on and off this year. And uh, I think it's important because, you know, so many of us grew up in um, orbits, circles, whatever you want to call it, families, communities, where uh, this sort of stuff uh, just wasn't okay to talk about. And that, um, that only hurt us. You know, we really need to be open and transparent. You know, that's the way we learn. That's the way we grow. That's the way we stretch our wings. You know, topics shouldn't be taboo. They really shouldn't. So I'm really glad for today's conversations and some of the past ones uh, that I've had this year around the subject of uh, um, healing ourselves and sexuality and sex, uh, especially women. You know, we're told that our bodies... Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're temptresses, you know, like it's something evil. And anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get into all of, all of that sort of stuff later. Or you can listen to all the different shows uh, that are in the archives this year about sex and sexuality. But I want to turn my attention to uh, my lovely guest today, Melody Rose Kranz, and uh, tell you a little bit about her. Uh, she is an evidentiary spiritual medium. She's also uh, an Akashic record reader, a spiritual life coach and teacher. She gets important information from her spirit guides, which she shares with her community on a regular basis. And today she's with me to chat about what they've taught her about sex and sexuality. We'll discuss topics like, um, you know, were we meant to be with just one sexual partner? Uh, does abstaining from sex bring you a higher state of spiritual consciousness? Are virgins more spiritually connected? What's transcendent sex? 
And can every couple experience transcendent sex? And is it even possible in our Western culture? And, um, you know, we might even get to the question of gender if we have enough time. So uh, let me say hello to Melody and uh, welcome to the show. Melody, thank you for being on Voices of the Sacred Feminine. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here and honored. Well, um, you know, you uh, have been incredibly impressive. I have to, you know, be totally honest and say uh, before I met you, um, I was skeptical of people who did what you do, but you have made me a believer. <laughs> um, oh, so thank it's, you. it's it's my honor to have you here as well. And, um, you know, maybe just a little bit more about yourself, if you're comfortable sharing. Um, you know, can you tell us um, when did your gift uh, begin to manifest for you? You know, what, what, is your, what is your story? Honestly, ever since I was a little one, I remember having visions, premonitions, like I'd see things flash before my eyes in a scene before it would happen seconds later or minutes later in front of me. Um, And I've always had what I call friends, so people in the spirit world that I talk to. And I've always just referred to them as my friends. As I got older, though, it wasn't necessarily socially acceptable <laughs> to, to be talking to friends that you meet on the street or looking out the window and, and conversing with them. So that got squashed really quick in the environment that I um, was raised in. And I don't blame my family for that. They just were doing the best they could with the, with the tools they had. It wasn't until, mm, I'm 46 now, so 40, that I started going, um, you know what, <laughs> this needs to change because they're tapping me on the shoulder a lot and I'm not crazy, I'm not mad, it's a beautiful gift. And people started coming into my life that were not crazy or mad and they saw me and they go, you're not crazy. You have a special gift. And I began to embrace it and slowly open up to the world and own, own my power, so to speak. So let me ask you, and, um, you know, and it just because I can imagine people out there are thinking this question, um, who who are you talking to in your estimation, and um, do you have a sense of, of where where they are? Uh, are we talking about my friends up there? Yeah, yeah, your friends, your friends. Um, so, I I speak to several different ones. Um, I have some that are named, so I I know Archangel Michael, Ashra. Lord Metatron, these are constant. Gandhi is a constant for me that come into my world. There is um, a being who goes by Muli, um, and she feels very feminine, although balanced between masculine and feminine. I just feel more feminine from her, but she's not of she's not of like an angelic realm or a higher level 
godlike or lord realm. I don't want to say godlike because it's different. There's a hierarchy there. She's more of from an extraterrestrial dimensional being. So those are just some names that I deal with frequently. Others pop right. in just, just for a moment. You know, I'm just here to help you through this. And we don't like bond or get that close. Well, I know in some of your classes that you give, you talk about ascension and other dimensions mm-hmm. and frequencies. Are they, or do they exist on a different dimension and they can go back and forth? Absolutely. You know, from to where so, they are? Mm-hmm. Once you ascend um, and start ascending, like, from third dimension, which is the duality that most of Earth is in and most Earth beings are in, and up, then up to the fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on, you can drop down and, and experience or visit and see those things down below. But if you're down in a low frequency, you cannot go up. Is that is that clear? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And, um, I mean, you, you teach about a lot of different aspects, you know, how to ascend and, you know, what values and how to live to, you know, uh, vibrate at a higher frequency and thus, you know, move up in dimensions. And, um, and, but this is the first time I've really uh, heard you talk about them having an opinion about sex and sexuality. Was it important for them to convey this information to you and thus, you know, share it with listeners? Absolutely. And here we sit. (laughs) And I was surprised too. I was surprised too. Um, This is, I mean, what made me speak about sex at all is because I'm in the Akashic Records a lot, like a ton, a ton. For me, I, I, it's a school for me. It's where I go to learn. Um, sometimes I go into the Akashic Re- Records with specific questions, like I know I want to learn about this today. Let's go through this. So we go through it together. And sometimes it takes a week or a month to go through a certain topic. Other times I'm just open. And not too long ago, I went in and asked them, okay, what do I need to work on next? What do I need to learn next? And as soon as I said that, I sat down and, and let me give you a little caveat. When I am in there, I experience not only the feelings, but I see like a hologram image come forth, kind of like a movie screen that I'm in. And I'm as much feeling what's happening as I am seeing what's happening. So I, I asked what's next, and this scene started to emerge, and it was a scene from one of my past lives. In this scene, I was in some sort of what, what I, I think it felt like a Sumerian priestess temple. I was on a pedestal with another woman, and we were engaged in an incredibly intense, energetically transcendent, sexual escapade, me and this woman. And what I was shocked to see is that there was a crowd around us watching this. And the whole time that this experience is happening and I'm watching it, the crowd, it doesn't feel a thing like watching a porn. It doesn't feel pornographic. It doesn't feel 
shameful or nasty. It, it was, it was beautiful. And, and the women were clearly having a Kundalini awakening experience while they were entangled together, completely together. And I could see the energy that they were creating and it was swirling around the entire temple and the people, the onlookers were, were like feeding off of it. It was, they were honoring it and, and feeding off of it in a, in a beautiful, energetic way. And I want to say this again. This was in no way pornographic. Yes, sex was occurring. There was no sex that I've seen in this 3D life of mine at this moment. I did once I was yeah. there and in the records. I felt it and remembered it. And then I went, oh, oh, so this is next. I need to relearn everything that human society and programming has taught me about sex. And this is next. And then you came into my life. (laughs) Well, so, yeah, so this is sacred. This is sacred, not salacious. And, um, you know, in, in, and being in goddess spirituality, you know, we we talk about this sort of stuff a lot, you know, because, um, you know, patriarchy has oppressed women in their sexuality, made us feel like it's a dirty thing. Um, you know, we imagine like Aphrodite temples, for instance, um, you know, as a place where you could learn to touch touch God or goddess. Um, you know, not um, you know, not like a you know a, a, a prostitutes, um, you know, uh, you know where it's just um, you know sex for money or something. Now, and, and again, you know, I'm not making a judgment about that. That's a whole other topic, you know. Uh, but our our society has um, just sort of demonized all of this, you know, to the point where I think. Um, you know, people in some religions who never learn the beauty of sex, never get beyond the guilt of the pleasure of sex. You know, uh, you know, you hear all the time these women in fundamentalist religions. I mean, they're basically being raped by their husbands if, you know, they're in a heterosexual marriage because neither of them have learned that sex is a beautiful, pleasurable thing that can be sacred. And that's that's where I think you want to go with this, right? You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So I so I assume from what you just described, um, do you get this? Were they trying to get a concept to you uh, about sacred sexuality and and how even onlookers can maybe benefit from that? It you know energetically, um, or do you think they were showing you what might have actually been, or both? So. It was both. This, I, there's no doubt in my mind that I fully experienced this in a past life. There's no doubt in my mind that this was um, a sacred event that happened a long time ago. I, I feel like it. I didn't ask them for specifics on the date. Um, it felt like it was like probably around a thousand years ago. But I know they first showed me this, this scene to shake me, to shake me personally, because I, before this, before going through class and with them on this topic, I still had 
a little bit of shame. I still carried that um, afraid to, to say anything or to go for one minute and, and want to talk about it or go crazy and have a lot of it. You know, I have these mixed emotions about sex. I am one of those people that actually likes it a lot. I really like it. Um, so there's some shame that I've, you know, been brought up around that whole religious construct on what sex should be. So, yeah, I hope I answered your question there. I think it was both a shock factor and say, hey, girl, you know, you used to do this, and it was sacred and beautiful, so you need to relook on your th- at your thoughts and how you're approaching this in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really do have to rethink so many, many, many things uh, if yep. we want the world to be a better, healthier place for all of us. Uh, and this is just one, you know, this is just one. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, uh, from everything we've said, um, and I probably don't even have to say it, but, you know, this is this is not uh, wag your finger, sex is bad, quite the opposite. Well, just wait for it. <laughs> so in some ways, I'm, I'm going to say yes, because in some ways I did get that. But it's just like food can be bad. It's, anything can be bad. When sex is used for control without respect, love, truth, any kind of sacredness, it's bad. Sex can be spiritually, physically, and mentally unhealthy for any being. It can also nourish our being. For, for the sake of today's conversation, I want to kind of break sex down into six different categories. I know that there's even a wider band uh, of, of categories that our 3D mind can put sex into, but just we only have an hour. So I kind of put it into six categories that they gave me, and it's based on vibration and frequency and because I love food so much and to cook and everybody can relate to food. I'm I'm just going to paint the picture clearly using food. So the first, the first category is that one dimensional low vibration sex for control. It's, it's the power, the horror riddled event. It's the low vibrational dimensionality experience of sex that is indicative of eating, like I think of a meal and some dive on Skid Row in a dark alley with cockroaches and rats scurrying all over. It's the place you know you shouldn't be, but for whatever circumstance or reason, you have no control or think you have no control, and you got to this place, and the cook inside, this disgusting dive just forces the food down your throat, leading to meal a meal that makes you horribly sick from food poisoning and an aversion to it for the rest of your life, possibly. If you don't go through a bunch of trauma healing, you're, you're, you have an aversion to sex or that food, right. you know, because you remember that pain. The, the second level, just to notch up, is the duty sex. It's that it's only dimensionally a wee bit higher, and it's like fast food. You're eating it. You're hoping that it's going to hurry up and get done with. And maybe it tastes good sometimes, but it's not good for you, and you just lay down, and you're not honoring your body. And that thought of, gosh, I hope this is over quick, 
is not, and it's not even honoring the person you're laying there for. So it's just as harmful for you as it is training that other partner that that's okay to do that because you're allowing it to happen. The next is the 3D sex, our biology sex. You know, most of us um, are hard, well, we're all hardwired to want to carry on. We have those hormones in our body that say, oh, time to reproduce, got to carry on. Not that reproduction can't be sacred and and special. So I'm not saying that, but it's just that basic, I've got to itch, I need to scratch it. It's the protein shake. You're, you're not, you know, it's a quick drink. It, it was good. It's good for your body because your body's saying, yeah, I need some vitamins in here and you just do it, but it's still not sacred or special. And then we move up to the fourth and this is lust. And I know some of you out there are thinking, Oh, God, that lust is bad. Well, it can be bad, but a little bit of lust ignites, you know, lust in control, in balance, ignites passion. It's also three-dimensional vibrational sex, but it's just a a little bit higher. And to me, I like to think of it as those um, messy taco trucks, you know, the delicious, yummy tacos that's probably not very healthy for you, but it's so good and messy, and you want more of it, and it, it's um, passionate. It can be harmful if not used appropriately, but in small doses, it can spark that root chakra passionate energy, and then you can take that energy up your body for a higher level experience, whereas the pure lust, you're just, you're just pure root chakra, Right. Probably not good okay. all the time because you're going to get a heart attack eventually or, <laughs> or um, you know, just hurt your stomach. The next okay. is making love. It's, it's higher dimensional. It's fifth dimensional. You're truly into it with your, your partner. Your partner is into it to you, and it's just love. It's like that beautiful homemade meal that's only prepared at certain seasons and that memory of nostalgia that stays with you forever because you always remember, oh, the pumpkin pie or, or whatever it is, that, that, that summer treat that nourishes you and it's special. And then last, our sixth, sixth dimensional, the transcendent sex. This is the sacred sex. This is the thing you have to work towards. It's your Seven-course meal prepared by a master chef using only the highest quality ingredients that they've nurtured and cultivated from the time the plant germinated to the time they serve it to you. It's the apex of what sex can be, where two people are not only willing to give everything for this moment, but receive, which I know a lot of us, it's difficult to receive. So you need to be as willing in that moment to receive and pull the energy in as you are to give the energy back. So is sex bad? It can be. It can be for anyone in any moment. If you're not honoring yourself, being honest about your needs, and you're not honoring that other person, did that Hmm. answer your Uh, question? 
Yeah, yeah, what a great answer. What a great answer, and I loved how you compared it to food. Uh, I think that was brilliant, and uh, I think people can really relate uh, the way you uh, described it. And who'd have thought there were so many dimensions to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, so what do they say about uh, monogamy, you know? Are we supposed to just... Um, you know, be with that one person our entire lives? Um, You know, what's the verdict there? So the short answer is no. But but I want to look at it through biology and programming and spirituality. Most of us biologically are driven, well, we all are, to reproduce. I know a few are, are not so much, but most of us are. Hormones hormones in our body urge us to, you know, procreate. But if you will, let, let's go on a little adventure and try to imagine a world where there's no pro- programming to, for humans to marry. There was never this social pressure to set, set that marriage is, is for, pre- for property rights, right? That's how, why people used to get married to gain um, alliances, to, to have a space, somebody to take care of you um, for money exchanges. It wasn't about love. It wasn't only recently in general in most cultures that it became a thing, that it, it's for love and it was idealized. How would we live if, if we only loved each other unconditionally and without that framework? From a biological standpoint, many of us would live in small groups or clans like a pack. We are pack-like animals. There are some lone wolves in the mix, but still we're pack-like. We would couple up or mate for biology, more than likely looking at those um, individuals that have the characteristics or needs for strength or, or to help our biology grow and get stronger. And then we would mate with others for pleasure. We would still have energetic connections with people, right? This pull that you can't explain that pulls you towards somebody else. And it can be just an energy in this lifetime. It can be a remembrance from a past life together. Some people would come, couple up and, and they would grow because of that coupling. Some people have that innate nature just like in the natural world to be in a bond with somebody for a lifetime. They mate for life. That's just that soul connection. It's a a unique, I would say it's a unique soul connection that happens in nature. That's natural to happen. Is it better? Should everybody strive for that? No, not necessarily. Some of us are not wired that way and it's okay it, it, love knows no boundaries. We're not all cookie cutter. And that's something that all of us need to get through our heads because that one couple is, is beautiful and has that connection that lasts a lifetime doesn't mean that the couple that maybe experiences other people and still stay together or that, that person that needs to grow with, from being with multiple partners, and whether they're monogamous or not with those partners, doesn't mean it's wrong. 
You just need to be true to yourself and honor that other person. Be honest about what your needs are. Don't be ashamed of it and treat each other in a sacred manner. And then it's not wrong. We shouldn't be coupling up for ownership. And so many people still have that in their their heads that this is an ownership or I need to belong to something to be worthy. Um, re- relationships should, can come and go like the change of the season in order to make new connections, in order to experience more, to expand more. Once again, some will stand the test of time. Some won't and know better than the other, no worse than the other. And just because you're done in one growth scenario doesn't mean you can't still honor and love that person. Just know it's time for the two of you to grow and move on. The human programming for centuries has just been keep, keep trying to jam everyone into a square pegged hole. And we're not all squares. And that's okay. We're not meant to be all squares. Look at the trees. The trees aren't all the same shape. You know, we're meant to, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're meant to be different. Um, we're not going to get a yeah. shiny token at the end of this game or a merit badge that says, yay, you stayed in an abusive marriage for 40 years. Woo-hoo, we're going to give you a gold star when you pass away. It's not going <laughs> to happen. It's just not. Right. Likewise, woohoo, you had five partners and you really grew and expanded and enjoyed your life. You're still not going to get a badge when you cross over. It, it's yeah. just, it doesn't happen. There's no scorn. No, I There's no it. trophy. <laughs> well, and and um, and we're going to take a break in a second here. But I, just to piggyback on what you just said, um, it really uh, I, I think the practical aspect of what you just described I think actually happened uh, in some cultures around the world uh, because there are, uh, I mean, and some people might not know about matrilineal or matrifocal or matriarchal cultures, but in a lot of those cultures, and there are a few still on the earth, uh, you know, they haven't all totally died out, um, you know, women uh, lived with their families uh, the the male role model for their children were their brothers, uh, so the kids' uncles, and women could take lovers at their own discretion, and um, you know it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't uh, you know the women weren't considered whores. It wasn't um, a bad thing. You know they honored their uh, desires and their yearnings, and it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't considered dirty or a sin or, or something like that. So it's not like this ever, you know, this happened. Um, it, if if you look into it, uh, this isn't kind of a pie in the sky idea you're talking about. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I'm very yeah. glad to hear that. So, um, okay, let's take a break uh, because I have to let folks hear from uh, Joe Carson for a minute here. And uh, when we come back, though, Melody, I'd like to ask you, um, does abstaining from sex actually bring you a higher state of spiritual consciousness? Uh, So you be thinking about that, and I'll be right back. So here is a word from Joe Carson's, my dear friends. This is from Jonathan Nightshade, a Gardnerian High Priest of the Whitecroft line, a traditional craft practitioner and researcher, writing about Joe Carson's book, 
celebrate wildness, magic, mirth, and love on the Feriferia path. I love this book, how special this work is, and how appreciated. As someone who was young in the 1970s, and through the years, only found snippets of information on Feriferia, one of the first modern pagan paths, this book comes as an artistic revelation of the core practices of the way of the goddess and gods reborn for the next age of the Divine Maiden. She has clearly introduced the historical background, philosophy and ritual practices of the joyous wilderness mysteries of the fairy faith, illuminated by the marvelous pagan art of Feriferia's founder, Fred Adams. I was very pleased that the high-quality production of this oversized volume makes it a collectible work of art, as well as a testament to the visionary philosophy of Fred Adams. I feel blessed that I received a copy. I will treasure it and look forward to the next book for more of the deep philosophy and ritual practice of Feriferia. Celebrate Wildness is a dense, art book quality, hardcover book. You can get it for just $45 from the Feriferia website at feriferia.org. That's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A dot org. And I should say, um, I've seen the book. I have actually was gifted uh, a copy of the book by Joe Carson, and it is lovely. Um, I'd highly recommend it for your library. And with the holidays coming, uh, you know, might be something to think about. Um, and also, too, uh, I think you would be remiss not to look into the Divine Feminine app. Um, I took a brief hiatus for a couple years um, from publicly doing goddess work, and uh, when I came back was when I discovered the Divine Feminine app. And I have to tell you, I was, I guess you could say, gobsmacked at uh, all the incredible goddess-oriented, divine feminine-oriented things that are happening out there, all the different flavors, uh, all the different type of events, you really need to go to the Divine Feminine app. Not only will you learn what might be happening in your immediate area, you'll be able to find out about virtual events you can attend, uh, sacred tours, retreats, podcasts like this, Go take a look. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, if you want to actually have your events posted there, there is a small fee, but it's very reasonable, and you reach so many more people. Anyway, Divine Feminine app, please go check it out. Because, you know, we, we were meant to be a tribe. We were not meant to be solitary. Uh, so go see what your tribe um, around your community and around the world are actually doing uh, if you're in to the Sacred Feminine and uh, women's events. Um, so just go check it out. I think you will be surprised as well. And if you uh, are tuning in late, and I hope you're not, uh, because we've been having a wonderful talk here, you'll want to go back and play the beginning again. Uh, I am here talking to Melody Rosecrans. We're talking about uh, sex and sexuality according to the higher realm of spirit beings that Melody has access to. Very, very interesting conversation um, about healthy sexuality. And uh, when we came back, I told Melody, I want to know uh, if abstaining from sex actually brings you a higher state of spiritual consciousness. What's the word on that? It's a heck no. <laughs> 
it's it's a no. Uh, having a loving, sacred, purposeful, energetic connection in a consenting environment can bring you a higher state of consciousness than abstaining. Learning how to operate in this vessel we're given is why we are here. It's not necessary to abstain from sex to reach an awakening or a divine event at all. You can have a kundalini awakening experience on your own or in an extreme spiritual experience while being sexually active in event, you know, during sex. However, however, there is a caveat. It can be good to abstain for a moment, to take a break, just like you do food fast like people do. If you need to relook at anything in your life and how you're approaching it, a good way to do that is do a fast for a minute and, and really go inside, connect within, and find out what your truth is, what's, what's driving you, and are you looking at this event from a sacred manner in an honorable way and honorable does not mean oh because I want to be with other sexual partners I'm bad but is this my truth and am I honoring them or am I using them am I being open and honest these the monks I mean no disrespect to to any of the nuns or monks out there I, I celebrate them and honor them for what they think they're doing to climb the spiritual ladder on their chosen path. But unfortunately, it's just not necessary. We came here to expand our consciousness, to experience, to learn. And you can't expand without experience. Yeah. All that being said, well, and we're I think not that I... cookie cutter. Well, and I think that idea of celibacy, too, was um, so that the nuns and the priests would have a primary um, uh, responsibility to the church, so to speak, as opposed to maybe children or a wife or a husband. There was that aspect in the celibacy thing, as well as the taboo stuff and everything, I think, as well. Yeah, there very well could be. I honestly don't know for sure, so I'm not an expert in that. I I just know there's also, you know, I said we're not all cookie-cutter people. Some people like sex, and it's just average. It's just a thing. Some people really crave it, and that's okay. And some people don't like it at all, and that's okay, too. It's okay if that's not your thing. I just want to add that in. What's important is that you honor yourself in a healthy place. All right. Well, and let's talk about virginity next. Um, You know, within goddess spirituality, virginity is a different thing than in patriarchy. You know, in patriarchy, uh, you know, it's about, you know, has the, you know, the the guy wants to get to, the, to be the first one there. You know, uh, they want to see the, the, you know, the blood on the sheets mm-hmm. kind of a thing uh, at, on the wedding night. You know, crazy, crazy stuff like that. Um, um, within goddess spirituality, when you hear about a virgin goddess, it's not about that. It's not about a goddess who hasn't had sex. It's really about autonomy. You know, it's about her independence, her sovereignty. Um, you know, she is not someone's consort necessarily. She is not a domesticated goddess. 
where does virginity fit into the equation we're talking about today? I just have to say this is why I'm so excited to do this with you because I don't know a lot about goddess uh, spirituality, so it's really fun to to hear that wisdom come through in this conversation. What I got was that being a virgin doesn't automatically give you a golden ticket, basically. You're not going to see, you know, beyond the veil if if you're a virgin. It's, it's just not there. That being said, anybody's first time at anything should be a little more special and a little more sacred and honored. That's all I got from that. So it's not required. You're not going to be heavenly, a holy angel or anything because you spend your whole life a virgin. Now, if you decide yeah. that that's what's best for you, you do that because if that's honoring who you truly are, you do that. But don't do it because you're trying to conform to what everybody else says you have to be to be worthy because it's just not so. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's there's something, too, um, you know, in ancient times, it was thought, I think, that if you had sex with a virgin as opposed to someone who had already been used, so to speak, I mean, it's so, so pathetic, but that yeah. there was an extra energy there you were going to be able to access you know, uh, which, I don't know, uh, I I think is probably not accurate. It was probably yeah. a patriarchal thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a marking I, of I, territory, I so. which, is, which is what I got. It's like a marking of territory, which is not sacred yeah. and honorable at all. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and, and honestly, a person's uh, first time could not be a very good experience. You know, I think we romanticize, uh, you know, that first time, but, you know, it, it could be uncomfortable. It might be painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not necessarily be, um, you know, all the stuff you've maybe heard or wanted it to be. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, and it also reminds me of this great book, The Red Tent, um, and it talked about how the women would come together in the red tent to prepare a woman for her first night with her husband, and they actually penetrated her hymen with a sacred stone uh, so that when she actually came together with her husband, um, uh, you know, it, it, would, it would be easier. It would be easier for her. Anyway, that was a really interesting book. And they turned it into a beautiful thing. And I don't know if that was real, but it does does kind of make you wonder if um, something like that maybe actually happened in ancient cultures, you know, to ease a woman into her first time. Anyway, uh, food for thought. Um, All right, so transcendent sex, what is it? And do we want to get it? <laughs> I don't know why you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you can call it a kundalini awakening experience that occurs when, when two energies can completely work together. You're totally connected to your energy centers, pushing and pulling the energy between each other. It's like a sacred dance of give and take, but there can't be any fear, no fear, no shame, no self-consciousness, and it's just a purely together consciousness 
for lifting each other. And it's taken that, like I said a little bit before, it's taking that root energy spark and pulling it up your body until it shoots out of your crown. So instead of having just a low um, orgasmic event from your root chakra area, you're taking that energy and taking it all the way up through your head. Okay, okay. And um, can every couple do it? I mean, is it even possible in Western culture with all of our brainwashing about sex being dirty and taboo? No, every, every um, first of all, every couple cannot do it. And it might not even be possible. And when I say couple, let's, let's look at marriage. When there's a ton of baggage in the way and stuff that's happened between the couple or they're forced, they're staying together because they think they have to, but they're really eating away at each other's souls. It's never going to happen there. In some ways, it'd be easier to happen between a, a new, you know, just energetic connection that occurs where you're going into this event knowing this is the primal purpose of this event. I know that there are some couples out there, though, like a good friend of mine and her husband, they have an amazing relationship and they're constantly breaking boundaries and are open and truthful with each other through everything, through everything in the sex experience, I'm sure for them, it can happen. Is transcendent sex possible for our Western culture? Boy, we need, I hope so eventually, but we need a lot of shifting and breaking down of the programming. A vast amount of today's society is over-sexualized with this porn culture, which it's just, it's not an accurate depiction of what reality is or could be for the man or the woman. So it's not good for the man or the woman to be learning how to have sex from porn. And in general, this is our education system for our sons and daughters. We're, our kids are learning in school what sex is, the biology of it. This is how you make a baby and how you don't get a sexually transmitted disease. And then the kids come and the parents attempt to give their kids a birds and bees talk, which the parents aren't themselves comfortable with sex or their sexuality. So that just puts a whole nother baggage on top of these kids. And so where else are they going to go? The all too accessible internet porn to learn about all these sexual taboos because learning where babies come from, isn't going to cut it. And it, it just le- leads our young adults and our kids into the spiral of non-sacred spiritual sex and, and spiritual honor of self. They're learning to dishonor somebody else. Our girls are learning that I need to lay there and be dishonored to be liked by a guy. It, I have um, my friend Braylon told me the other day we were talking about sex that her husband Dylan talked to her older son um, he, they were talking about sex openly and I was like really really she goes yeah and and my husband asked him well are you making sure that your girlfriend is orgasming and my jaw dropped I this is what we need more of we need our our kids to, and her son's 23 or 20 some odd years old. But still, you know, it's a safe space, a safe time to discuss these things with your, with your kids that are now young adults. But it's, 
it's okay to stop if you're a man and ask the woman if she's doing okay, what I need to do. And it's okay for the man to have feelings. It's okay mm-hmm. to feel into this and enjoy it too and honor the woman and let the woman honor you. Where we're not teaching our boys that that's okay. We're teaching them, no, it's wham, bam, the more noxes you get, you don't give a shit. Oh, excuse my English. I'm so sorry. But that's we're okay. teaching our boys that and our girls to just lay there and not even say, no, this doesn't feel good for my body. My body wants you to do it faster or my body wants you to do it slower. I want this. I hope we can get there. Yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, I've had conversations before, even here on the radio um, podcast now, sorry, uh, dating myself, uh, here on the podcast about, um, gee, wouldn't it be something if we weren't so restricted by patriarchy and, um, you know, uh, toxic religious Mm -hmm. beliefs, and we actually had... Um, sacred temples where young women and young men could go to learn the art of lovemaking. Wouldn't that be incredible? Um, I mean, I don't know. I get goosebumps just even saying it, you know. But uh, And you know what? And I think it would make a difference in the world. You know why? Because I think so much of the hate and the rage out there, um, I don't know. I feel like it could be mellowed out if people had better sex lives, honestly. Um, and might, that might sound crazy, but I, I think, yeah, you know, men, it does it. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. You know, um, I, it just feels like there's so much frustration. Uh, there's, and maybe that's part of the misogyny, too. Um, I mean, you know, the, the young men, the incels that grow up and think, you know, they're entitled to have a woman. And I can just imagine what sex with one of these guys might be like, you know. And, um, but, if, but if it, was, if it wasn't taboo, if it was just a natural part of life, like, um, you know, learning to brush your teeth, then, wow, what a different place it would make. I don't know. It would indeed. It would indeed. Uh, and then you could work in the sacred aspect as well, you know. I mean, it, that would just be, you know, under the guise of Aphrodite. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about transgender and differing sexualities. What do they tell you about that? Because, you know, that's kind of a big topic these days with um, – I'll just say it, uh, you know, Republicans, um, you know, spreading all of this hate about gay people and trans people and, you know, just getting their whole base all worked up. Um, you know, tell us, tell us what they say about that. So for differing sexualities, the, the only thing I got is, is, is that it's wrong that our need for a label, our 3D need for a label to cram everyone into this box is just incredibly ridiculous. Because as soon as you do that, you completely limit yourself. We are, anybody is more than their sexuality. We are so much more. You are, not you specifically, but the gay man, you know, to the right of me, not, not really, but imaginatively, is, is so much more than just the gay man. He's so much more than his sexuality. And as soon as we, even as a gay person, I currently am living in a lesbian relationship. I consider myself, I love men and women, but I am married to a woman. As soon as I put myself in that box, though, 
that I'm just a lesbian or that I only belong to the lesbian club. It just closes me down and everybody else tags you. It's, oh, you can only be this. So that's the only thing wrong that I got from, from above. It's, we need to get over our labels big time. As for the yeah. transgender, I'm so glad you asked me this because um, I, I know there's been rapid exposure of transgender beings, and I'm just going to re, refer to them as this. As, and so many people are up in arms about it. But it's just fear. And unfortunately, humans tend to fear what they don't understand or know. And instead of finding out about it, they quickly turn to disdain or hate or follow whatever popular sheep herder at the time is trying to feed them to stir up more division between us humans. Which we're, we're together. We're one. There, there doesn't need to be this division constantly. You've got to enjoy the kaleidoscope of earth and all that walk it. Yeah. So I want to ask yeah, it, people. Uh, go ahead. Well, well, no, I was just going to say I'm glad you said that because, you know, again, I keep going back to goddess spirituality. And um, I know even some women within the goddess community either ignore or aren't aware that, you know, if you go to some of the great museums, you will see artifacts of goddesses with male genitalia. Um, You know, we know that um, devotees of Cabelli, for instance, castrated themselves. I mean, uh, gender is a spectrum you know it isn't this duality of you know this this male female thing and um i think when we ignore that uh we do it at our peril i mean so many of the ancient deities were androgynous i mean you look at shiva for instance you know uh some of the aztec and mayan goddesses were androgynous and uh you know i I, it just feels so much more open-minded and healthy it's about inclusion which i think um uh, sacred sexuality or or just uh spirituality that's what i'm trying to say and you know it, it should be about inclusion of all of us as our authentic self that that is what i was a lot of what i was getting to i'm glad you said that also they they i, I have to say this piece this flood of of this huge light being shined on transgender individuals is just the next step in our evolution of consciousness. Many of these beings, these people who are sent here with a strong remembrance of a past life as an opposite sex, though they might not remember the details, they remember the feeling in their bodies. These individuals so I asked them, the transgender, to remember that they chose the vessel that they carry themselves in for a reason. Whether it's karmic or for the shift of human consciousness. The, the sad part of it is, is that they feel they need to alter their vessel via surgery and medication to be what they feel they should be. How they should look to meet society's expectations. Instead of them trying... I mean, they're trying to remove their penis, some, you know, so they can fit in a box, once again, a box, a label that currently says what a woman is or vice versa. And instead of loving their vessel completely and owning, maybe I was born in here on this earth this time with a penis 
but I am divinely feminine. That will be the next. And, and I hope for the next to come because nobody, at least up there, my friends, doesn't want to see anybody harm themselves. But it's our free will to do that now. You know, if, if that's what needs to happen, it's the baby step in human consciousness for us to get there is for these individuals to change their bodies to meet human expectation at 3D, then that's what is. But hopefully they can evolve and just honor, I'm in this vessel, but I'm feminine as heck, and here I am. I, I embrace that because that's how my energy flows, and that what, that's what feels right for me. It doesn't matter what's between my legs at all. And like you said, many yeah. ancient deities had both parts, and, and this is why. This is why. I just, I don't want to say anything's wrong with surgery or anything like that because it's not. But even our girls that are heterosexuals are going and altering their beautiful vessels to fight, find their, a way to fit into this stupid idea of, oh, a woman's supposed to have a bigger butt or bigger, fuller lips that are plastic and toxic and killing you to meet somebody's expectation instead of loving themselves and knowing the right one's going to come. When I fully love me and embody the vessel that I came into this world with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of what we've talked about today really is about um, trying to get us to a more evolved, healthier place. You know, get us out of the, the fear out of the clutches of uh, patriarchy, um, you know, the the clutches of the uh, pharmaceutical uh, companies maybe, you know, the all the money mm-hmm. that's spent on cosmetology and stuff uh, to, you know, so that we can be some version uh, that someone sold us. I mean, it's an advertising campaign, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we just have to be strong enough to resist it and learn to be our authentic self and know that that's okay. Um, wow. Um, you know, this has been great, Melody. Um, I'm so glad we chatted about all of this. And um, I'm going to throw you one more Thank question. <laughs> one more question oh, here. Um, so aside from, you know, maybe separate from sex or sexuality, it doesn't have to be in that genre, what have you learned that most, that might most surprise us, um, you know, that your teachers, your elders, your guides, your spirit friends, however you want to label them, what would we be surprised at? Oh, boy. Well, the sex, take a minute. the sex things, yeah, it, there's so many things that surprised me. So if this talk wasn't enough, um, I think the number one thing coming from somebody from a background in, in, in Christianity um, is that you don't need anybody. You don't need an infrastructure to connect with divine to see and experience, hear, feel, whatever your natural psychic gifts are, because we all have some. Maybe you don't have the whole bag of tricks, but you have something. But to go within and ignite that, that conversation with your inner self into source directly, that we can all do that. It's not just for the person standing on the podium preaching to you. We all have access to that. It's to stop 
maybe work through a little work. Some people take a year, some people a few months, and just work through that and ignite your own connection to start to feel and see the truth of an authentic you, an authentic space. And then you get the, the real views on sex, the, the, the real views on um, materialism and, and how to walk this life in a much more peaceful manner instead of chasing this golden ticket that isn't there. You're not going to cross over and get a, a golden ticket because you suppressed yourself. And you're not, if you, if you commit suicide, not that I'm telling anybody to do this, but this surprised me too because of my Christian background, you're not going to go burn in fiery damnation. They love you over there. There is nothing but unconditional love from the light. That's all that there is. We're the ones that do all the judging. We humans yeah. are the judge, judges of ourselves and each other, not them. Yeah. Well, and I guess I do have one last question. Have they okay. give, given you any insight into where humanity is going on the planet? I mean, are we getting closer to this age of Aquarius, this place where we will be more evolved and, uh, you know, stop living in the third dimension or lower, uh, as some people are? Um, you know, are we are we getting closer? Can you leave us with some... I mean, have they told you? Have you asked? Um, what can you say about that? We are getting closer. And the more people like you spreading the word, the more people like me out there teaching, and people like you that are able to spread our word, just it's helping create that shift. And we don't only create that shift by getting the word out, but we do it by being, by doing, by um, practicing what we preach, by walking our talk and being honorable. And it will evolve because we're all one. We're all connected. The more I go out in this world with love, unconditional love for myself, it vibrates out and I approach other people differently and it affects them and it affects everything we do affects everything else in the fabric that we're connected to, like the butterfly effect. So taking ownership okay. for that, it, I do see it. I do see it coming. I feel it coming. Unfortunately, there's going to be a little more strife before we get there, and, but there's going to be a shift, and it's going to be a big shift between people staying in that lower level. And this isn't fear. Don't put any fear up in it. It just is what is. And people that are able to just rise up and say, no, enough's enough. I'm going to lead my life this way now. And you'll evolve. Okay. We'll all evolve. <clears throat> well, I want to thank you for the wisdom, the wisdom from the masters today. Uh, thank you so much um, for sharing what they've taught you and for the classes you do and, and grants pass. And, um, um, tell me, tell listeners how folks can reach you and if you do private sessions and uh, if someone wants to know more about you um, or engage you, you know, in the services you provide, how do they find you? So you can go, thank you for this opportunity. You can go to my website, www.invoke, I-N-V-O-K-E, and, A-N-D, raw, R-A, 
com, no spaces, or you can call me, 541-291-1240, anytime to schedule an appointment. I do mediumship readings, Akashic Records readings, and my favorite is, is um, Awakening or Spiritual Life Coach, where I help you ignite your own gifts so you can have that connection. Okay. Well, again, thank you, Melody, and um, it's it's been a real pleasure, and uh, we'll have to talk again. I'm sure there's other stuff that uh, would be of interest uh, to listeners as well. We'll have to chat about that and see what we can come up with. I'd love to. Thank you so much, Karen. This was great. Okay. All right. Uh, you have a great day. Uh, talk to you soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed that, and um, yeah, really good stuff there. And uh, we are at the end of the hour. Um, I want to just have a shout-out to Celia uh, for use of her music uh, that was at the top of the show. Uh, That was her cut meta prayer. And um, Abigail Spinner McBride uh, is uh, the musician, artist, uh, who is responsible for our usual closing music, um, Am Sekhmet, which I'm going to close the show with again today. So um, I hope uh, you enjoyed uh, our conversation today. And um, I'll just leave you with um, a closing quote. And actually the author is, uh, is unknown. They attribute it to certain people, but I don't think it's actually accurate. Uh, Anyway, the content is important. They say, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they attack you, then you win. I can imagine some of which we talked about today, um, you know, will um, be greeted by some people with joy and some people with fear. So... um, You know, I hope we've planted seeds today for a healthier tomorrow. All right, dear listeners, uh, I hope you'll be back with me uh, next Wednesday. And uh, let me just look real quick, uh, and I'll tell you what our show is about. I think it's about numerology, uh, but I will uh, tell you. Yes, it is, Wendy Orsat. We are going to be talking about numerology Uh, It's going to be Numerology 101. And then the following week, uh, it's going to be about um, uh, narcissism, uh, recognizing people who are narcissists and how to deal with that. And the final show of November uh, is going to be with Karen McRandall. We're going to be talking about women's leadership, uh, about stepping up in in love, not fear. So that's what we have for you for the rest of the month. Uh, Please... um, subscribe if you will so you get notice of uh, the shows in your inbox and you don't have to rely on an email or a Facebook post or go into my website which I'm happy to have you do Uh, there's a lot of free stuff there at KarenTate.net please go check it out Uh, check out the services and talks I give to the community the podcasts, the articles um, lots of great stuff there All right, so um, our tribute to Sekhmet, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess who teaches women to be courageous, tenacious, um, fearless, and maybe most important, to say no without guilt, to have healthy boundaries 
an important thing in this patriarchal society full of abuse and exploitation, especially to women. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.